talking about the need to remember last week. Remember when you first, when you first learned of Jesus. Not when you first knew him, but when you first learned about him, when you heard about him, when you, when you were exposed to truth about Jesus. And so we, we spent some time on that. There's a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. And uh, there's a lot of people that go through communion remembering somebody they don't know. You've got re- you to know him. It was just the second thing we talked about last week was where, where you and I need to remember when we first not heard about him, but when we first met him and embraced him. When we first believed. When we first believed. Because that makes all the difference in the world. It's easy to remember uh, about someone, but it really has no impact on your life. But when you know somebody, you know we have memorial services. Uh, most recently we went, to, we went to Joel's memorial service. And, and most of the people that were there knew Joel personally. There was an impact. They had a relationship with Joel so when they went, it meant something to them. There are times when people go to funerals and they don't, have a, they don't really have that, that connection. They're just doing the thing. You know, they're going through the motions. They're going through the procedures. And one of the things we talked about last week was that when it comes to the Passover meal celebrated every year, the people of Israel and most of the Jews, as they would go through the process of celebrating the Passover, after generations and generations, they knew about the Passover but it, it really lacked that personal touch. They were able to talk about it. They knew some of the details about it. But they weren't there. They weren't part of that first generation. And one of the wonderful things about Christianity is that no matter how many generations you are removed from Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you and I have the ability, because he lives and he is alive, to know him personally, to have a personal relationship with him. So when we talk about knowing Jesus Christ, we're not talking about fiction. We're not talking about just knowledge. We're talking about an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And so last week we talked about the fact that we have to remember when we first believed. Remember when you first believed. And then we ended up talking last week about the fact that we also need to remember when we first made that step of testimony when it comes to baptism. Baptism is kind of like where where you make the ultimate declaration. It's kind of like when you get married. You know, it's, it's, it's saying I do. It's being all in. And uh, remembering that moment, remembering when you stepped up and you said, I'm all in. I'm ready to publicly make a declaration that I have been buried with Christ and I've ra- been raised with, to new life with Christ. So that's, that's what we talked about last week. All of that leads us to this this morning briefly just to say you need to remember you need to remember how Jesus loved you or if Jesus were speaking he would say remember how I loved you remember how I loved there are certain components about the love of Christ that that are uniform to everybody but as we found out last week every single one of us have a very unique story to tell He loves us the same, but in so many different ways. You're saying, Bob, that doesn't make sense. No, it does. It does. Every one of us have a very unique way of remembering his love because every one of us have unique aspects to our life. And so 
this morning, this morning, I just wanted to take you through briefly Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 and just kind of identify, if I could, a couple of the things that we find in this passage. Make a couple of brief comments and then just challenge you. As you partake today of communion, remember how he loved you. Remember how he loved you. First of all, what you were. What you were. And you want to maybe write this next to that. You were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that now worketh, working in the sons of disobedience. You were dead. Remember that. Remember that. You know, it's, it's a very important fact that if you cannot remember the fact that you recognize that you were dead, you still are. You're fooling yourself. It's kind of like the person who's lost but doesn't know they're lost. They don't have a clue about being lost. You can't be found until you're lost. You can't be made alive until you recognize you're dead. Yeah. And all of us, before, we were dead. Spiritually dead. We didn't have a clue. We didn't have any kind of connection. And we, have, we had absolutely no way of coming alive. We could not reform ourselves. We could not do anything to transform ourselves and make us good. The Bible makes it very clear. No one's good. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we could spend hours on this and most of us know this. Secondly, you need to also know this. How did you live? How you lived? You lived for yourself. Write that down. You lived for yourself. You lived for yourself. By that I mean that you lived as though you were God. You were the one that decided between what was good and what is evil you're the one who made decisions based on your own desires. He says, among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh, the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And some of you are saying, wait a minute, Bob, wait a minute. That doesn't describe me. That, that describes, as I used to say a long time ago, some surdy dot and rinner. Some surdy dot and rinner, that's a, that's a dirty, rotten sinner. I think it's pig Latin or something. I don't remember, but I heard it a long time ago, and it just stuck with me. You know, I'm not some really bad guy. I'm not, I don't go out partying every night. You know, I'm not, I'm not a carouser. Or I'm not a womanizer. I'm not this. I'm not that. You know, I'm, I'm not a druggie. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people say. Here's what you need to understand. When Paul is writing this, he's not talking about the lifestyles of everybody. He's not saying that you are all a bunch of absolutely rotten people who do all kinds of rotten things. At the core, at the core, he's saying, formerly lived in the lusts of our own flesh. Lust of the flesh means the desires of the flesh. It means doing your own thing. And if you take the word flesh and you flip it backwards, it's self without him. Self without him, that's, that's how you lived. You were dead and you were totally selfish. Maybe you were good selfish. Maybe you were tolerable selfish. 
Maybe you were even respectable selfish. Maybe you were religiously selfish, but the fact is what? You were selfish. Selfish. What did God do? What did God do? What God did, next, write this down, he made a way. He made a way. God made a way. And this is where it comes into remembering how Jesus loved you specifically. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. When you go through the Bible, you read the New Testament, you see people and you see how God made a way. All these incredible stories of people, the woman at the well, Nicodemus, Peter, John. I mean, all the people in the Bible, all these different stories. God made a way. The one common denominator for all of them is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the one that makes the way. It's his death, burial, and resurrection that provides the way. He is the bridge. He's the bridge. So when you remember Jesus today, you can all gather together and say, we're all sinners saved by grace, but you can look specifically at your own sin and you can realize, man, he loved me so much. He took my religiosity away. He took my carousing away. He did whatever he did. It all boils down the same thing, but you can remember that today. And as you remember that, you partake. And as you partake, you rejoice in his incredible love for you. So that's who you were, that's how you lived, that's what God did. Who you are, who you are. Write it down, you are his workmanship. His workmanship. Remember, you were dead. There wasn't anything you could do to become alive. I mean, you could try it, but somebody said if you paint a pig a pig, it's still a pig. Remember four years ago when somebody was talking about a certain individual and said if you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig? I think that was another political thing. Four years, every four years, you know, it's, I don't know. Anyway, you are his workmanship, his workmanship. Remember that you are currently, presently, he says, by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. You didn't have a thing to do with it. <laughs> you didn't have, don't take credit. When you come up and partake here this morning, don't even, don't even think about any slight thought of your goodness because it doesn't exist. You and I are good because of him. Think about it. His workmanship. This is not a result of work so that no one may boast. We are his workmanship. We were dead. We were dead. He made us alive. He forgave us. He saved us. He even gave us the faith to believe. According to Romans chapter 12, all of these things are the gifts of God. And by his grace, by his grace we have been saved. By his workmanship. Thank God for his workmanship. So when you partake this morning, go up humbly and say, man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. 
for what you've done for me. And then finally, how you live. You lived before for yourself. Now you live like Christ. Now you live like Christ. He says, we're created in Jesus Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. So our whole life has changed and been transformed. Not because we reformed, not because we went to religious school, not because we decided to make ourselves better, but because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, because of his shed blood and his bruised and beaten body. When you remember this morning, remember how he loved you. Remember how he loved you. And remember how you treat other people because of that love. When it comes to Christianity and when it comes to the church, Jesus was reviled, but he reviled not in return. When it comes to Christianity, Stephen was martyred and stoned to death. And instead of responding in kind, what did Stephen say? He said some words he heard probably his best friend say. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hurt you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. In the Beatitudes, Jesus talks about the same thing. And so we, we need to remember that. And I wonder if we have, do we have sound? All right, let's try it. This will be a good test. Nigeria, situated in West Africa, is one of the most populous countries on the continent. While the southern part of the country is populated mostly by Christians, in the northern states there is a strong Muslim majority. In these areas, Christians are specifically targeted and face many challenges. They are discriminated against and put under heavy pressure to convert to Islam. As like a Christian youth, um, generally in northern states, they are suffering more and more. The reason of that difficulty that they were facing there is because we accept Christianity. Yes, because we agree to believe that Jesus exists and we agree that it's only the way of eternity. These children are nowhere to be found because are from local Christians that may not afford good school fees for their children. The government have to take care of that. And now, because of our faith, those schools have been closed. So the church is left with no option than start private schools and secondary schools. Even with that, they refuse the registration of these schools. They refuse getting lands to expand these schools. Even if you have the money to buy the land, they will not permit. And up to now, every day I go out with my file looking for a job, but they deny us of that job opportunity. That is why you see some of our youths, they will leave our local government because they cannot endure the suffering that we are suffering because of Jesus. They cannot endure. They make them to believe that in, if you immediately you convert to Muslim, you will find assistance you will find you will get money. So they use money to deceive some of our youths 
in order to get them converted. The Christians in Nigeria regularly face brutal attacks and assaults on church buildings. The organization responsible for almost all of these attacks is the Islamic extremist group Boko Haram. Their goal? To make Nigeria into an Islamic theocracy. As a part of this goal, they want to expel all Christians from the country and completely wipe out the church in Nigeria. Many churches are being destroyed on daily basis. They are attacked, they kill. Some of us, that they will go out and start running. You run, you leave the house, they burn everything in the house. So for that, definitely, we don't find things easy for Our us. People are peasant farmers. Nobody goes to the farm these days alone. Even if you go in multitude, if they overpower you, they kill all of you. There's no way a person can sleep for over three hours to enjoy your night. No, because we are always conscious of our security. We are under consistent, frequent attack in the night, in the daytime. They asked my mother that, uh, is she a Christian? She said yes. So they now asked the, our last one, is she a Christian? She said yes. They now say that, are they going to convert to be a Muslim? They said no. One of my friends said, let's run. Before running, the guy started shooting. So we were six. He waste the six of us down. Five were dead. I was the only survivor. So they now go to my father. They asked my father. My father say no. So before he opened mouth, they started firing him with guns, shooting him. When I touch my second, he's dead. I touch the other one, he's dead. So the guy was coming again to confirm. Before they started shooting him, he was shouting that Jesus saved me. Jesus saved me. He was doing that. So before they started shooting him. When they shoot him, he, he, lie, he fell down. When he fell down, they did not leave it in only that shooting alone. They will come there with their own cutlass, started uh, maturing him. All his body, his head. When I saw the guy coming close to me, I said, Kai, let me just run. If I didn't run, this guy will finish me. I stood up and started running. Then he started shooting at me. After immediately they left our house, they go to our own uh, neighbors. The same thing, they meet a family of five, both the parents and uh, the father, mother, and the and infants and the children. They, they went there, they slaughtered them. What remains is sadness, anger, traumatic memories, and despair. But in the middle of this situation, their faith in Jesus and their trust in him gives them the hope they need to keep going and to keep holding on. In spite of the circumstances, the Christians in Nigeria want to be an example for the body of Christ. Everybody is having a great fear. This is not easy for you to sit down. Somebody is coming to take your life and God is asking you to just stay. In my room alone, I will start praying, God, give me a word so that I can talk to these youths. If I pray in my room, I ask my wife, kneel down and pray because I'm facing trouble now this night. I'm going out this night to control my youth. Sometimes you see them with weapons. They came out, come, come here, come here, lead us. We are going to burn mosques. We are going to kill this one. But if I came, okay, I, I come down, come down. What's the problem? You didn't hear they kill this one, they do Which this one. It's a trend that is building up gradually. It's becoming gradually unpopular to say that uh, vengeance belongs to God. Let's wait for God's intervention. Gradually, uh, Christians are becoming offensive, are also launching out attacks on the Muslims. Let's look at, let's go back to the Bible. I start off in my Bible, I read Bible to them. 
I say, know a place that Jesus had retaliated. Even when he's going to be to death, when Peter brings sword and 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 shape one ear of, of those soldiers, and Jesus said, get that thing back to that man. So I think the only thing we need to do, those people is prayer. The other people say, no, always you 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 say this, they buy you, they give you money, they give you money, you, you don't want us to retaliate. I say no. Because I'm representing you an image of Christ. As far as you accepted Jesus, you are going to suffer. So for God's sake, I beg on you. Let's go back to the church and pray. If we go, we finish prayer in the church, let's go and attack them. So they will allow me to go back to the church. So when we go back to the church, what we do? We we worship and pray. So by killing and shedding blood. In a way, we are also negating the very purpose of the cross. You know, when we worship and praise, we do prayer. Everybody will forget his weapons. Everybody will forget that you're going back to the toilet, and the Spirit of God will come down. So everybody will go home peacefully. No retaliate. I know one day it will come to pass. And those people that used to do this thing, I know they didn't know what they are doing. The only thing up to now, I'm praying that let God help them and know the right way. It's not their grace or their power, they are still alive, or they are doing all this. But God is giving them an opportunity. Hmm? They are giving them to repent, to know the goodness of God, to know what they are doing is bad. That is how I feel. It takes strength and courage to hold on to Jesus in the middle of such hardship. Our Nigerian brothers and sisters in Christ are asking for our support and our prayers. In 1 Corinthians it says, If one part of the body suffers, all the other parts suffer with it. We are one body. The Christians in Nigeria are convinced of the power of prayer and are counting on the fact that people around the world are praying for them. We youth in Nigeria, we need your prayers, especially during this persecution situation we have been facing. We are one body, one heart, and one mind. We are the one family. We have people like you. We have people from all over the world. They are praying for us. You gave me money now or you give me clothes, or you give me food, I will not be satisfied because of the present situation I have in, my, in myself and my country, Nigeria. But there's one thing that if you do to me, I will highly appreciate it and I will never forget it till the end of time. It's prayer. I want you people to help us and pray for this violence that is happening in Nigeria. Let it be over. Please and please, Pray for us, pray for our children, uh, pray for them that they will not give up. Despite the suffering, despite the killing, they will not give up the faith, they will not give up their belief in Jesus. They will not abandon heaven and go to hell because of suffering, because of the killings, because of their denial of education, uh, denial of opportunities of good job, uh, because of the suppression. Pray for them that they will be in faith and your prayers will the work. The only solution to this problem is prayers that can only make us stand firm in the Lord. I have a pastor that was killed because he didn't deny Christ. 
he was putting put knife on the neck that he has to deny Christ. The pastor did not deny Christ. His name is Pastor George. They slaughtered him like a goat because he did not deny Christ. So if all Christians will stick to, to Jesus Christ the way that pastor did, heaven is our destination. And we know God will answer the prayers. So we need your prayers always. We need your support in prayers. You should pray for us that God should help us to hold on to him till the very end. You please pray for Nigeria. As, as uh, Nick and the group come up, I just wanted to remind you when Stephen was being stoned, the Bible says in the book of Acts that there was somebody close by. Somebody at whose feet people put their cloaks and whatnot that somebody was Saul. And Saul was wreaking havoc on the church. What's the difference between Saul and you and me? Before Jesus, nothing. Nothing. What's the difference between a person who doesn't know Jesus and someone that is a radical Islamist? Nothing. The heart is desperately wicked, Jeremiah says. Who can know it? Anyway, remember when Saul was going down to cause some more trouble on his way down to Antioch? And he came face to face with Jesus. Remember? And what did Jesus tell him? Why do you keep kicking against the goats? Saul. And I think Saul during that time as he was wrestling with the Spirit of God, I'm sure, I'm sure he saw Stephen and heard Stephen. I'm sure he heard other people and their declarations of faith before he took them off to jail and did terrible things to them. See, God uses, God uses love. That's his modus operandi. God so loved the world he gave. Love is much more powerful than a sword or a gun. Paul even says love, or, love covers a multitude of junk. Covers a lot of sin. He loved us. So when you partake this morning as we sing, remember your brothers and sisters, remember one another, but I want you to focus in on the fact that he loved you. He loved you. Remember that. Remember exactly how he did it. And if you can't do that this morning, then this morning is an opportunity for you, like Stephen like the other disciples, and like Paul, to come to terms with that and just to simply say, 
I admit that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again to make a way. And I put my faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. You can do that right here and right now. And then you can go up and partake and remember his incredible grace. So while we sing, as the Spirit leads you, you come and partake. If you can't get around and make your way to the front, you can just raise your hand and one of the ushers will come and serve you the, the bread and the cup. But let's stand together and worship and you respond as the Spirit leads. And I just want to thank all of you. Some of you might be wondering, uh, just, just a quick note, some of you might be wondering, you know, we're supposed to start class 201 at noon with lunch, uh, but lunch is going to wait. It'll be all right. <laughs> we're all going to be fine. So just just worship and focus and don't get distracted. God has a plan this morning for us. You respond and let the Spirit of God work as we sing and worship.